0: Hello and welcome to Going Viral. I am David Lim. It is Tuesday, 15th of September. In today's podcast, I learned that the COVIDSafe app actually works and I will be speaking with Associate Professor Elwin Chu. He will tell us more about the COVIDSafe app the early problems we faced and some of the security bugs that have been fixed and why we should be encouraging our patients to download and use this app the latest global and local covid-19 statistics will follow the interview before we start i'd like to encourage you to register for the next webcast where you can always catch a high quality lineup of speakers and topics that health Ed has put together for you HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free, you get CPD points and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthed.com.au you can listen to these podcasts on the HealthAd website, or you can download the HealthEd app and access many other learning resources as well. In this podcast, I will try to understand why the COVID Safe app failed and what alternatives we may have in the pipeline. I will be speaking with Associate Professor Alwyn Chu. Professor Chu, can you please tell us a little about yourself?
1: Uh, certainly, thanks very much for the opportunity to, uh, to join this podcast. So I'm uh, an associate professor at the Australian National University, so I'm uh, affiliated with the Research School of Computer Science. Um, so I have done research in computer science for the past um, almost 20 years now. My background was initially more in the theoretical areas of computer science, but I have uh, now moved into the areas of security and privacy. And I have uh, recently been scrutinizing contact tracing apps from various countries, focusing mainly on on privacy and security aspects. And uh, COVID is one of the apps that my colleague and I and people from some people from the tech community have been scrutinizing a lot. And we've made a lot of discoveries, and uh, uh, we made some recommendations, uh, some of which have been taken up by DTA. So I'm very happy. To talk about uh, various aspects of COVID Safe and other contact tracing technologies today.
0: Absolutely up our alley because that's my interest at the moment. When first announced, the COVIDSafe Safe app was supposed to be a major part of contact tracing in Australia. Now we, what's wrong with it? We just haven't heard of it. It's not been used. What happened?
1: I. Don't think it's not been used. So there's still a lot of active users. I think the latest figure from the government was about seven millions. So the app, the way it works is you, once you install it, it just runs in the background. So you don't need to actively use it. Now as to the questions of why uh, there was, I mean, obviously there was a lot of issues in the beginning uh, that may have affected the, the uptakes of the apps. I recall earlier, when the app was launched, uh, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison was saying something to the effect that the app is like a sunscreen or something like that. And since then, so this kind of um, hype has quieted down a bit. And in part is because in the earlier versions, there was a lot of confusion about how the app works uh, for iPhones. So for Android, there was not a lot of issues in terms of functionalities. Uh, but in terms of security and privacy, there were a number of issues, uh, but the questions of whether the app works, whether it detects uh, contacts, close contacts, is, was not a question for Android. For iPhone, so the, the results varies uh, because of the way that Apple implemented the, um, the Bluetooth functionality, which is the underlying technology these contact tracing apps are using. So if the app is not running in the background uh, sorry, running in the foreground. The, the effectiveness of the app is somewhat reduced. And there were some issues in the earlier version in how they deal with app running in the background that wasn't done correctly, resulting in encounters not locked properly. So earlier, I think around probably May, uh, a lot of experts were scrutinizing the iPhone apps. And uh, there was this sort of impression that you know, you, you can't make this app work with iPhone uh, when it's running in the background. So uh, in other words, it was suggested that the app would only work if you running it in the foreground, continuously keeping it on, uh, not even having it locked, uh, which is not the case now, but that kind of impression uh, sort of stuck in the minds of a lot of people, I guess. So this is why uh, sometimes uh, you still see people um, you know, in, in the news or other social media, still saying that it doesn't work for iPhone and, and therefore why border adopting it? So I, I think there's a bit of misunderstanding uh, with regards to how effectively it works in iPhone. So that may have affected the uh, public's perception and hence, you know, the slower uptake than we would have liked.
0: As far as we're concerned, whenever we hear of covid safe these days, it's only when it did work in a small number of cases, it almost is as if, wow, it has worked, rather than it is actually working in the background. So we are actually getting a very wrong message, aren't we? I
1: I think it's a matter of setting the expectation, I suppose. So um, I, I don't think, this is my personal opinion, I don't think the app would replace a manual contact tracing. Uh, it's one of the tools, a range of tools that can be helpful. Uh, for example, if you use the app and you 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 know take a public transport, right? There is it's um, if this happens like you know 14 days ago, it's very hard for you to recall exactly where you had been, and this is a situation where the app uh, could be useful. But in another situation, where let's say you're in a lockdown and you basically just either you know stay home or go to say the local uh, supermarket then your movement is pretty predictable. In that case, the app uh, will not actually add anything to what other information the contact tracer already has. And I believe this was the case, uh, for example, when um, it was in the news that uh, a few months back that says that this app didn't work, didn't actually give new contacts that were not already known. But if you actually look carefully in the articles uh, around this this uh, this issue, the app actually worked as expected. Um, it did record contacts. It's just that none of these contacts were, uh, you know, unknown contacts that the con- the manual contact tracing hasn't discovered, uh-huh. um, and that's sort of expected, right? Um, but uh, recently, uh, New South Wales, uh, for example, they um, they had a, a small success where they managed to trace uh, around 14 people who were not found using the manual contact tracing. Whereas in Victoria, it recently surfaced that they actually stopped using the app uh, for at least a couple of weeks uh, because there was uh, questions about their effectiveness in terms of giving them new information.
0: Alvin, I guess what I'm thinking is, do we keep persisting with COVID Safe? or would it be replaced by something else that would have a bigger uptake that we would perceive as being effective and that would actually um, have more functionality?
1: I think that there's not a question of effectiveness per se. So COVID Safe does work, it does register encounters, I mean if you update your app to the latest version. So there were a lot of issues in the beginning and more or less they have been uh, sort of fixed. There are still a, a few remaining issues, but in, in terms of detecting contact, close contact, it's, it's not a big problem at the moment. What I think is um, more interesting is this perception of, of, of privacy of, of the app. So maybe let me take a step back explaining, you know, there are two ways we can implement contact tracing apps. So one is what we call a centralized approach. Uh, which is being adopted in COVID Safe, and the other is uh, the, the centralized approach. So, in the centralized approach, um, you know your phone and other phones running COVID Safe app will exchange what we call a, a, a temporary ID. So these are random ID generated um, that rotates every 15 minutes or so, and they record each- these encounters, and then your app. So for example, when when someone is uh, tested positive and they uh, say report this to to the contact tracer, then the contact tracer will upload all these encounters to a central server controlled by um, Department of Health. (laughs) And this implies that whoever hosts that service will be able to see exactly who you have been in contact with, right? Um, And that is... uh, You know, some people um, are not really comfortable with with sharing that kind of information. So the other approach, which is the one uh, implemented by Apple and Google, so they bake these functionalities into their operating system, is a decentralized approach where your device generates its own ID so it doesn't actually have to get this ID from a central server controlled by the government or other health authorities. And this ID then will be used to generate other IDs that will be exchanged between uh, phones running the same app. And this uh, information about the contact, who you had been in contact with uh, for the last 14 days, um, is kept in the phone, it's not shared with anyone, not even the the health authorities. And when you are tested positive, for example, then you upload a key, which what we call the um, the, tempor- the the daily exposure key that will be sent to all other phones uh, implementing this app and that key then will be used to sort of refer back the contact database to see whether they had been exposed right? so the so in other words a user is is in full control of of this information so of, of the contact so in in this process uh when for example let's say i get Tested positive, and I want to notify all my contacts, close contacts. All I have to do is share this this key that I use to generate all these temporary okay. IDs, and uh, whoever got these keys then will be able to sort of check whether they had been in contact with me. And this uh, is done without the involvement of health authorities at all. In, in terms of infrastructures, there is no centralized server. You simply send out the keys and the phones who had been in contact with you will be able to refer, uh, will be able to, to check whether they had been in contact or not. And if they had been in contact, then they have the option of, of going to um, the health authorities or not. So the choice is basically theirs, right? Whereas in centralized approach, when you register for the app, you will give information about uh, you know, your name and your, your phone number, your postcode. And when someone who have been in proximity with you at some point in the past 14 days tested positive, the government or the health authority will have the phone number, your phone number, and they can reach you immediately. So that's the advantage of the centralized approach that you know, the, the health authority will have a full picture of, of who this infected person has been in contact with and they can act quickly to uh, to notify them, right? And so the decentralized approach uh, it's it's your phone. It's, it's all this protocols, uh communication protocol between these these phones implementing the contact tracing app that would talk to each other mm. by piping a central server. So in that case if if you're being notified that you had been in contact with someone infected and if you're a responsible person you'll go to the health authorities, but uh you know you could also choose to ignore them, right? And mm. there is no way anyone could actually refill your identity and actually make you, um, you know, uh, get tested or something like that.
0: And we have seen in Victoria, in the early days at least, that people who were either waiting for a test result or feeling unwell, um, was actually going about walking around uh, and not staying home either. So it's a very interesting thought, isn't it? If we had a population that is highly responsible, you would expect that an app that relies on you to do the right thing would work. But if you have a population where you think some of the people might not do that, then a centralised app may be better. But because of the privacy issues, they might choose not to have it. So you're kind of caught, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think this is something that obviously there needs to be... uh consider, you know, what's what's the, the pros and the cons. But I, I mean, in general, I think, you know, I, I tend to assume that people are responsible in general. Yeah. Um, so it is therefore, you know, more important to have uh, a larger percentage of the population actually using the app. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that will have a better global effect. I guess just to uh, summarize what I was going to say before I got sidetracked with this long uh, monologue about how Contact tracing app works is that I think, like you say, you know, this privacy issue. Um, I, I think is the main sort of, from my personal opinion, is the main reason why we haven't seen a lot of uptake of, of the app. Uh, for example, if, if you compare to, say, Switzerland, they have uh, this app called Swiss COVID. Uh, before it was launched, they actually did a poll on the citizen to 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 just uh, test whether they to ask whether they are willing to install the app and you know, almost 70% said yes. And I, I think you know, that app has been quite successful uh, in, in, in Switzerland in terms of contact tracing. And the, the whole development was also very, very open. So there was um, a lot of informant from from the community, from the, the researchers, you know, independent developers and so on scrutinizing the apps. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, you know, people are more confident that they are not being tracked and, you know, their movements are not being uh, monitored and so on. And I think the overall global effect is, is probably uh, better in the end.
0: Do you think we can still resurrect this um, COVID-safe app, whether or not another information campaign or another reaching out to the people of Australia uh, to ensure that we understand it's a... What it is and what it does, and see if more of us would download the app so that it becomes, if you like, uh, more useful.
1: Yeah, I think there are some things that the government could do. For example, uh, for start in you know, dispelling this myth that it doesn't work on iPhones, um, I, I think you know DTA was in, uh, in charge of, of of developing this up, probably hasn't you know communicated this. Very clearly that yes, it, it does work um, on iPhone, and <clears throat> there's also some misunderstanding of of why it doesn't work. So there is a very interesting um, publication recently uh, describing their test on on the uh, effectiveness of iPhone, and it was characterized as something like forty per, or sixty percent effective uh, between the encounters of iPhone. And if you look carefully at the study it it turns out that the phones that are being tested actually are exchanging the correct temporary i d so it, it actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they did is they measure how many times these ids are exchanged within fifteen minutes, and there were about um, uh, about six six exchanges, and so this it works forty percent of the time but uh this is sort of the the thing that that uh, the backend server decides where the two phones are actually in close contact. The, the define is uh, being close contact means that they have, they have to exchange the ID 15 times in 15 minutes. Uh, so as a result, the, some of the close contacts are probably not registered because of the threshold they define for the phones to be um, in proximity. So I think, you know, just by tweaking a bit these definitions of what is a, a close contact, you would have a much more effective um, uh, results in terms of detecting proximity. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is that information about, you know, how these work and how they actually do tests um, could be presented clearer to, to give them, uh, to clarify that it, it does work. Um, so that's the first thing, which is, um, regarding functionalities. So the second is, um, you know, if I, I think this is quite unlikely, but if they would have switched to a decentralized decentralized approach using, say, Apple and Google technology, I think that would have been uh, more convincing in, uh, in terms of uh, privacy protection, uh, because you know, these this Apple and Google uh, protocols are designed with um, with a very clear privacy uh, requirements in mind. So there's a lot of strict requirements in adopting that kind of app. So if, you know, if the government wanted to switch to, um, to the decentralized approach, I think um, the app will probably receive a m- more endorsements from say uh, privacy researchers and the tech community. Right. And perhaps uh, you know, gen- the general public as well. Do you think that's gonna happen? Do you think we might switch? I I doubt it. I I can't recall who said that, but I, it was someone probably from um, the government that says they they are not looking at adopting the Google Apple framework. But then you know that might change. I think one of the arguments against that was that um, they wanted to always have a human in the loop. So as I mentioned earlier, that this Google and Apple system would allow you to essentially bypass. Health authorities, all this not- notification. Uh, if someone gets notified, then you know it's it's really up to them to actually alert the health authorities or not. But there are also options for people to to volunteer so that they, whenever they get a notification, then they also alert the health authorities. And this can be done automatically, so you know, even if you uh, even if you don't actively you know, open the app and click the notify button, this can be done automatically by 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 the app, as long as the user can send to it. So in terms of baking in this kind of notification so that the health authorities will will be kept in the loop in case you know someone has been notified of an exposure, uh, the functionality is there. It's just that the government will not will not have the complete pictures of who had been in contact with who, I think. Um, so whether you know, this is something that It's essential or not, I I don't know. I'm not an expert. So
0: So let me get it right, Darwin. What you're really saying is that really the app does work. There's a lot of myths around it that has basically made it look as if it's not working, allowing the uptake to be small. And what you're saying is that there are options out there that are decentralized but the government's not happy to look at that because it's taken the person out of it, meaning that the participants or the phone holder can decide whether or not to inform the authorities. That the Australian government would rather the authorities know who you are and have that capacity to reach out to you. So as far as I'm hearing, there's gonna be no change to other apps and Australia is going to stick with COVID safe. Is that right?
1: Um, That's my current impression, unfortunately, yeah.
0: Mm. If you had an ideal app, um, apart from the Google and Apple, is there an app you know of, Alvin, uh, used in other countries, or an app that you think could be an ideal app for contact tracing?
1: I actually think this Google and Apple uh, uh, App or framework is perhaps the, the best we have so far. I mean, it's not perfect, but it balances uh, you know, issues of privacy and and availability of contact tracing information. And because these are developed by uh, by the vendors of the operating system themselves, there is a greater chance that they work better than uh, than an app designed independently. There are other apps that use in a GPS location. So I believe in the early days uh, there were at least a couple of of apps uh, that essentially allows you to to lock where you are um, throughout the day and when you test positive and you just submit that information to the health authorities and they can trace your movements. So it doesn't detect close contact. if you 're in a building then it's it's it 's harder because the the um, the accuracy of the GPS in the building will not be so uh-huh. uh, so good. Uh, this is where the Bluetooth um, option is is superior in terms of detecting close contact. Uh-huh. but there were other apps that use GPS another approach uh, which i've read has been implemented in say countries like Singapore is they just put some sort of a a QR code in, in venues, in restaurants, know, supermarkets, shops, or whatever, that you have to scan before you enter and put in your details, right? And this can be automated and they will remember the information to field. So the next time you visit this uh, website, it will see you will just simply have to record um, the venues uh, where you're visiting. So I think that could work also for uh, as an additional information for contact tracing. Uh-huh. and that, the, the drawback is obviously, you know, it's, it's harder to record a chance encounter like what this contact tracing app like COVIDServe uh, will be able to do.
0: It almost seems as if you need more than one app to do different things. Uh, I've noticed today that Service New South Wales, apart from having my driver's license on it, has a, um, a check in using a QR code. So we've got that. Uh, but as you said, it tracks which restaurant I've been to, but it doesn't tell me if I've been near someone who's COVID positive, right?
1: That's right, yeah. So again, then, you know, it depends on whether that person who tested positive uh, reports to the health authorities and then they can trace back to that restaurants. So, um,
0: Having both together would be helpful, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, I, I think that they are both used. I mean, Singapore has its own uh, uh, contact tracing app called Trace Together. Mm-hmm. So actually, COVID Safe app was... Uh, Based on that that app, so Singapore released the source code for the app, and which was then adopted by uh, Australia, and which led to this uh, COVID Safe app. Of course, now they have diverged a bit, but the functionality, the basic working, um, the basic approach is the same. So they do have their own contact tracing app in addition uh, to this, you know, QR check-in uh, stuff that they're using
0: right now. Is there any other? Uh, issues that uh, I have not touched on about the uh, COVID Safe app.
1: There, there are a lot of privacy-related issues that we have discovered. Like I said, you know, this is really what I specialize in when I, when I look at contact tracing app. So with Android, for example, there was a lot of issues in the beginning where someone could, and a hacker could essentially, um, you know, hack into a phone running COVID Safe app because. Uh, of the way they they use Bluetooth that is uh, opening up their phone or for this kind of hack, uh, although you need to be in proximity of the person running the app and that was an issue that was quite serious um, you know essentially allows an attacker to 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 pair with the phone so if if you have say um, a Bluetooth speaker or Bluetooth headset, you know how how it works. Um, you, Before your phone can actually use that Bluetooth headset, it needs to be paired. Once it's paired, it knows each other and trusts each other, so um, uh, it'll allow the Bluetooth speaker to send you know, voice and sounds to the phone and so on. So, <clears throat> with this COVID type app, the way it it actually works is very similar, and there is a way to trick the app into thinking that it's pairing with with the attacker's device, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, we have demonstrated that we could cause the set app to pair with a computer that we control, and then we could uh, trick the app into thinking that computer is a keyboard. You can type in any commands into your phone. And that was a very serious bug. So uh, my co-author, Jim Massard, and I discovered this back in, in May. Uh, we notified ETA, and it took them a few weeks to finally fix that. Um, and this is, um, I mean, this is one of the uh, more uh, critical bugs. That, uh, it's not just a privacy issue, but also a security issue. Uh, but, but there are numerous other uh, privacy issues. Uh, for example, COVID Safe app, essentially, it, it emits some kind of uh, unique Bluetooth signals all the time. And this allows someone with uh, a Bluetooth scanner to detect your presence, to actually track your movements, you know, within say a building if they have enough uh, of these uh, sensors in the building. So you can essentially map out people's movements just by following this unique signal state image. Uh, so a lot of these issues have now been fixed, but the problem is you actually have to update your app in order to enjoy these this, uh, this fixes, right? And what we worry about now is it, it seems like to us, at least from a casual scans that we still see quite a number of people running the, the early version. You know, one of the first versions that was out a couple of months ago where all these security issues, privacy issues still, still exist. Recently, I know VTA has been uh, pushing out a patch Automatically, I don't know how effective it is, but hopefully this will reach the majority of people. And I guess the message I want to get out with respect is that you know if you're running COVID Safe app, please update it. It's it's very important uh, to protect your security and privacy.
0: Do we just update by going to the App Store, or do we delete and download?
1: You just have to go to the App Store and update it. Uh-huh. So usually, when you have the auto update on, this will be done automatically. Uh-huh. But uh, because of the way COVID Safe is working, it, it keeps running all the time in the background. Uh, in some phones, it may prevent the auto update to be working correctly.
0: So for all the listeners out there, what your suggestion, Owen, is go to the app store and just download the latest COVID COVID Safe app. Right? That's correct. Any other issues that you might be concerned about? Uh,
1: so the the way the the legislation surrounding COVID Safe is structured is that the um, it's it's the states that will have uh, full access to the data, mm-hmm. and currently we don't have a good pictures of you know how effective is this app, uh, how widely it is adopted, and so on, because this data is protected by by this privacy legislation, so. Um, you know, even the developers have no idea how many active users are there. Not because they, they can't know it. It's just because that they are not allowed to share that kind of information. So I, I don't know. I mean, if, if we want to measure how effective this app has been, you know, how many people still running outdated version that has numerous security, privacy, functionality issues, we, we need to think of a way to get this kind of statistics, um, whether we can fix them.
0: So can I just check with you? I've just, while you're talking, managed to update my Safe app. It says it's version 1.11 build 74. Is that the latest?
1: That's the iPhone version, yes, that's the latest.
0: Well, and if you can give the listeners the latest Android version.
1: The Android version should be 1.056, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Just to make sure we all get the right one. That was very interesting. When I didn't understand a lot of the security issues you were looking at, I was just more concerned about the fact it's not working, which, of course, you have just told me it's not true. It is working. I I do hope that we'll have a bigger uptake somehow. Yeah, I
1: mean, I I do hope so. Uh, Despite all the security and privacy issues, um, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I and many of my colleagues are still very supportive of of some form of contact tracing apps and hopefully you know, the government will uh, transition to something better in terms of both privacy and functionality. It doesn't necessarily have to be Apple and Google kind of app but at least um, something that would be um, more convincing in terms of of privacy so it will encourage more uptake.
0: Now in the face of the fact that uh, the government is not having another campaign to raise the awareness to our fellow citizens, Uh, maybe it's up to us GPs and health professionals to reach out to our patients and those we care for to say, listen, have you downloaded the COVIDSafe app? It's really quite safe, it's been looked at and a lot of the security issues have been dealt with and it does work. So do you think there is a role for us to actively encourage our patients to all download COVID safe app?
1: Well, I think that would be wonderful. You know, coming from a medical practitioner, that certainly carries a lot more
0: weight. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, Alwyn. I certainly learned a lot this afternoon. Thank you once again. Keep safe and goodbye, Alwyn.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure. Goodbye.
0: From the John Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Centre, we find that the global COVID-19 cases has exceeded 29.1 million. The USA has recorded more than 6.5 million cases, India more than 4.8 million, Brazil has exceeded 4.3 million, Russia exceeding 1 million, Peru nearly 730,000 cases, Colombia more than 716,000 cases of COVID-19. Global deaths from COVID-19 is recorded at 926,307, the USA recorded more than 194,000, Brazil nearly 132,000, India nearly 80,000 and Mexico nearly 71,000 deaths. Australia has reported to date 26,527 cases of COVID-19 and 816 people have died. In the past day, Victoria recorded 42 new cases of COVID-19 and no deaths. And this is great news. 110 patients are still in hospital. Five are in ICU and two are, uh, seven are being ventilated. These figures suggest that daily deaths should be low from now on. New South Wales has reported seven new cases of COVID-19. Of these, two were locally acquired of known sources. Four are returned travellers in hotel quarantine and one is under investigation. Queensland has reported one new case and is a returned traveller from overseas in hotel quarantine. self-claim.